we help people define if they have the ability to exceed their basic needs. And the way we are defining that is to say that a person can take 10% of their earnings and set that aside for their future. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Mint Money. This podcast will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners find the answers to the tough questions that will help them succeed. On today's show, we're excited to have on our first multi-guest show as both Jeremy DeRyder and Bree Roper from Digby Coffee join us. What made me interested in inviting them on is the company's inspirational growth story growing from one neighborhood coffee shop 26 years ago to almost 250 locations today. What's more impressive, though, is that throughout all this growth, the company has maintained its culture through some unique concepts that we'll go over during the episode. So welcome, Jeremy and Bree, to Mint Money. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. And so how did you two get to your current positions with Bigby? And do you mind explaining a little bit about your positions, too? You're going to let me go first? All right. So I've been with Bigby now for about 13 years, and I actually started as a barista part-time in a store. I was working as a nanny and I wanted to work a second part-time job where I would get to talk to somebody who was not an infant and Big B provided that space for me. So I started as a part-time barista and then through about three years in the store, I worked my way through the sort of levels there from a barista to a shift leader and then to a percolator, that's our trainers, and then to store leader. From there, I moved to the home office where I got to work as what we would call a business coach. And then I was the manager of training for a little while. And then I got to help co-found the Boost Sphere. That's actually where Jeremy and I are both coming to you from today is working in the Boost Sphere, which is our people and culture development sphere at the home office. And what I get to do in my daily job is a lot of teaching and working with people and coaching, helping people communicate. And that's sort of what I love to do. That's what brought me into Big B was the desire to talk to people. And I'm still getting to do that today. And I've been with Big B now for 20 years. Started the same as Bree. Started off as a barista. It was a part-time summer job. I was going to Michigan State University to learn how to become a high school English teacher. That was plan A for my life. And Big B just got good to me. We had just opened our fifth store. So this is back in 2000 when I started. And over the course of my time there while going to school, we went from five stores to around 20. And it just seemed like there was opportunity. And I loved the culture in the stores and, and what I saw from the overall company and made the leap to the home office back in 2003. And so like Bree, I've worn a lot of different hats inside the organization. And so I spent over 10 years working in training and operations, helping to build out a lot of the training programs that are still used today. And then also did a two-year stint inside our brand sphere, where I had the opportunity to help launch our brand story. I started to tell the story about how it is that Big B exists to love people. And then joined Bree in the boost sphere almost three years ago now. And so my title is Moonshot Guide. And so like Bree, I also have the opportunity to coach home office staff members I also oversee our leadership forum program and also work on our Life You Love workshops, both developing content for these 
and also helping to host them. And like the Moonshot Guide, what that title is all about is I really particularly enjoy through those different things that I do, having the opportunity to help people figure out what they want their lives to be about, what they want their lives to build toward, and then to help them figure out ways to go after and start to achieve. That's fantastic. And so do you see a lot of the employees who work in the home office at some point starting or may have been a barista in the past? Many, especially if you look inside our training and operations sort of areas and inside what we refer to as the base sphere of the company, many of those folks come from our stores. Terrific. And so Bigby Coffee has seen great growth over its history. I mean, just for your own personal note, you saw it grow from five to 20 stores when you were in college yourself. And so what's been the main factor behind that growth to growing from that first initial store to almost 250 stores today? For me, I think it boils down to a, a few really key things. First of all, like let's just get the coffee out of the way, right? Because the coffee is great. The coffee's great. The coffee's always been great. So the coffee, of course, that's the product we serve. So that's key. But really it comes down to knowing who we are as a company. That's always been true. I think that back when Bob and Mike got this whole thing going in our first two stores in East Lansing, it was really clear that we were different because we particularly cared about people. That was true back then. And as you know, we grew from one store to two stores and we jumped into to franchising, which by the way, is a direct extension of like being all about people. This is, they always knew that they wanted to grow and be a multi-unit chain, but franchising ended up being the best vehicle for that. And so because they already knew what sort of a, a culture they wanted to build, as we started to bring people in, and just to give you an example, our first two franchisees was an employee at that first store and also a customer at that first store. And so you're bringing in people that already know what you're about and love you for who you are. And so I think that us really knowing who we are as a company and knowing what we care about and getting those things written down so it's easier to spread that amongst the company is, is really key. And just staying focused on that and staying operationally focused. So knowing who we are and staying focused, those are the two things I'd own oh, coffee, coffee too. Those are the things I'd put it down to. And if I was going to add anything to that, I would just put a capital P on the word people. And in particular, there's something about being a part of an organization that is literally built out of people who have the entrepreneurial spirit. Entrepreneurs are incredible and remarkable human beings, and they find what to focus on and they go for it and they commit day in and day out. And like Jeremy said, we were built out of people who sort of already knew what the company was about, how it originated. And when incredibly remarkable people commit to what this company was already about from day one, it just allowed for real magic to happen through something as simple and basic as part of our daily lives, like a cup of coffee. And I think that that magical blend is really really fantastic, like the coffee and like the people. That's fantastic. And so in relation to my last question, sometimes when a company grows too fast, it can start to lose touch with its culture. And so what has Bigby done over time to help counterbalance us? Yeah, I think that goes back to one of the things I noted in, in the previous answer, which is it's the fact that as we went, we started to commit things to writing so that when baristas hire in and learn who we are, it's already captured in, in the training materials, as an example. And so it talks about, so I remember very clearly my first day of training on the job, sitting outside on the patio at store three and having the trainer talk me through PERC, which was our operating philosophy. It's an acronym. We love, we love acronyms at Big B. And, you know, listening to the words, oh, should I do it? Yeah, I might as well do it. Perception by customers so that we respect their time and move them as quickly as possible. Every customer leaves the store in a better mood than when the customer arrived. 
recognize each customer as an individual and consistently produce a high quality beverage. Hearing those words and particularly those the middle two letters about customers leaving in a better mood and also recognizing each customer as an individual, which to me was about like making sure that customers knew that we know that they're special, like we believe everyone's special. I think that having new baristas come into the company and having the chance to interact with and think about those words and, and how they'll apply them, I think helps to keep us grounded in who we say we are. And so it's as we've developed the company, as we've developed the culture, it's about being really deliberate about codifying that by getting it actually down into writing uh, so that we can reinforce it. That's fantastic. That's great to hear. And so switching topics a little bit more from culture kind of to talk about money, what was your first memory about money and how has that shaped your current thoughts on it? My first real memory of money was when I was probably eight years old and my parents allowed us to hold a yard sale. And then my siblings and I got to divvy up the money among ourselves that we earned at this yard sale. And what I remember about it was having this cash in my hand as a child. I remember having it in a pocket, in fact, and how much space it took up. And then I remember buying some really frivolous toys with it. And I remember my mom kind of scoffing and rolling her eyes a little at what I had chosen to spend my money on. And I, I remember not feeling awesome about it at that point. I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to do. Like I had this money and I spent it and I bought cool, you know, toys with it. And it seemed weird that I should feel bad about having spent this money. And I don't know if it actually shaped my how I feel about money right now or, or how it impacts my life right now. But what I will say is that that little scoff, that little eye roll from my mom definitely taught me that money isn't everything, even though it has a place. And so if I was going to try to connect that early memory with my current relationship with money, it's that. It's that money isn't, it doesn't have any meaning. It's not happiness. It's not guilt. It's not fear. It's not shame. It's not power. Money is a thing that we have to learn to have a relationship with and it has a place, but it's not everything. That's great. And so can you guys talk about the life you love workshops within the Bigby world and especially on the financial literacy side? Oof. So the workshops flowed out of our higher purpose. So Bigby Coffee's higher purpose is that we exist to support you in building a life you love. And when we came up with those words, it became really clear that we had to then wrestle with the idea of, well, what does it actually even take to build a life you love? And who's to say? Well, through a lot of rigorous discussion and debate, we thought that from our perspectives and what we've read in research, that there are four sort of foundational areas that you have to have in place to be able to start building a life you love. You have to know who you want to be. That's both like knowing like what you want to be, like those, what do you want to be when you grow up type questions, but also like, how do you want to be as a person to the other people around you? So that's one. Two is having a sense of belonging in your life that whether it's with family or friends or coworkers or some other community that you're a part of that you have a sense of belonging, that you fit in, feel valued, you can be yourself. Then there's having a sense of personal vitality. So that's a matter of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual vitality. It's not about any objective measures, like how far you can run or how fast you can run or whatever, but rather how you feel about what you're capable of across those four dimensions. And then last is that you have the ability to exceed your basic needs. Because if you're struggling to be able to just keep food on the table or a roof over your head, you're not ready to look down the road toward building a life that you love. You're very much stuck in the here and now and getting by day to day. And so by, by sort of outlining those four areas of building a life you love, we came up with a self-assessment that people could take. It's actually, it's available to anyone who wants to do it. It's at bigby.com and that's bigby with two Gs in case you're not familiar with the brand B-I-G-G-B-Y.com slash L-Y-L-A for life you love assessment. 
And then from there, it's like, okay, well, how do we support people in those four areas? And that's where the workshops come from. And we can maybe maybe detail two of them. Bree, you want to talk a bit about ability to exceed your basic needs? Sure. So the ability to exceed your basic needs is a workshop. We run it. At, it's a six week long workshop, and it was built around our definition, like how we help people define if they have the ability to exceed their basic needs. And the way we are defining that is to say that a person can take ten percent of their earnings and set that aside for their future somehow. We didn't want to become too like dictatorial about what that 10% was for. So it could be that you have 10% going into a retirement account. It could be that you're setting aside 10% to put yourself through your next level of education. It could be that you're setting aside 10% to take, you know, a fabulous cross-country trip in an RV where you're going to explore everything that life has to offer you. We didn't want to say what that 10% was for, but rather that if you are able to meet your needs and have 10% left over of what you're making, then you should be able to start down the path of building a life that you love. You've got the foundation set. And so the workshop, the six-week-long workshop that we run is focused entirely on helping a person understand what money means to them, how healthy their relationship with money is. Some of the stuff that you asked about our earliest memories of money, for example, are in there. The things we think we know about it, the things we definitely don't know. We talk about healthy debt, unhealthy debt, making big purchases, like putting children through college or putting yourself through college or purchasing a house, those types of big purchases. We help people if they've never opened a bank account, for example, we help them get the, the knowledge and resources they need to be able to go and do that kind of work. We do like a personal financial statement. We have a budget that we help them write if that's the path they want to go on. But essentially what we want people to do is to be interactive with their financial existence, basically. And one of the things we hear pretty early on in that workshop usually is that it's it's sort of taboo to talk about money so openly and freely. And we don't really do that. And the first thing we want to do is shut that down and be like, no, we're going to talk about things. We're going to talk about how it's going. And we've seen, I believe, some really great results from people who have joined us and dug into the work, including having somebody who didn't have a bank account end the six weeks with not just a checking account, but a savings account that had a direct deposit going into it every month. That I thought was a huge win. I know. For my own self, I've been able to reduce my debt by about, oh, 75% right now. And I'm on my way to saving a down payment to purchase a house. That is a thing that wouldn't be going on if we hadn't said, you know, this is what it means to exceed your basic needs. And if I hadn't had conversations with people throughout this workshop about the realities of money and the realities of homeownership and all of those topics. So it's really comprehensive. And we also try to make sure that we can get anyone in that group. So it can be a person who's 18 years old, who's not ever opened a bank account. It can also be somebody who's in their fifties and already owns their own business and is looking to purchase a vacation home somewhere. You know, the content spans across all walks of life and it's also ever evolving. We're always trying to learn and grow and create new, new content, new ways of thinking for that workshop. It's worth mentioning too, that for these workshops, we offer them to anybody who works within the world of Big B, no matter how long you've been with Big B, they're available for free to attend. And if I think back to the 21-year-old barista I was, oh my goodness, what an impact it would have had on my life to have intersected this kind of learning at that stage of my life, because I didn't learn hardly any of that, almost none of that from either parents or from school. And I think that's pretty common experience for a lot of people when you look at these four different areas. But man, especially the basic needs, I would have avoided, I think, a lot of foolish 
mistakes as a young man <laughs> that got me into some trouble. And so, you know, another one that I thought I might detail is the Knowing Who You Want to Be workshop. I think that it's so fundamentally important. Actually, I think it ties to all of the other work that we're doing too, whether you're talking about personally or as an organization, that if you know who you are and you know where you want to go, that clears up so much for you in life. And so the Know You Want to Be workshop takes people through the Moonshot Guidebook, which is a, a book that we developed inside Big B and got published this past year. It's a visioning tool. So it will ask you questions about like, what are the things that you hope to achieve in life, the things that you want to own that you don't own today, where you want to live and travel, but also what are some skills that you wish you had that you don't have today? And and then really starts to push you further and further to think about well, where do you want to be in two years and 10 years and 20 years and asks you to write your own eulogy, for example, to think about what your whole life really zoomed out looks like, and then sort of get that boiled down into a moonshot statement, which is just a concise telling of what it is that you want your life to build toward or what you want your day-to-day life to be about. Really powerful tool. And then it helps give you some structure for how to go about achieving it. And so we take people through that process of learning how to do visioning. Most people don't have any experience with visioning. Goal setting maybe, and goal setting is, is closely related, but it's not the same thing. And so I'm um, getting a chance to sort of zoom out on your life and from your perspective today to be able to sort of see what's out there can be really powerful for people to be able to start to think about what they want to do today to affect their future selves. Well, that sounds amazing. And just to double click on that idea for the book that you mentioned, do you mind talking a little bit further about that? So where can people purchase that book, whether it's on Amazon, maybe it's in bookstores right now. And I guess kind of a question that you that people would probably answer, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? Oh, wow. Yahoo. Love that. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, how deep to go. So, so first of all, the Moonshot Guidebook can be found on amazon.com, or you can go to the Big B website and buy it from the shop directly there. Maybe get yourself some coffee or a mug along the way too. I don't know. And the guidebook is is really now this is four years into using it because again we started it with it being an internal tool that was just made for home office staff and for our leadership forums those are the two groups that had the early work with it and so now being four years into using it it's kind of how I organize my life in a way it's a really powerful tool to sort of continue looking at what you want to do so just to give you an example of what that looks like at the beginning of this year you go through and you answer all those sorts of questions that I mentioned. And so I've answered those questions now four times and you then set your goals. So if you've got your moonshot statement written, then you say what it is that you, okay, so given what I want my life to look like, where I want it to build toward, where do I have to be in five years in order to know that I'm on the path to achieving that? And given that, where do I need to be in one year? Okay. And then given that, what do I have to do in these next four months? And then the workbook then helps you to then look at each week and say, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to focus on this week? in order to get closer to those four-month goals than the one-year, five-year, and up to the, to the moonshot. So you know, where do I see myself? One of the bigger, scarier things I've written in, in the guidebook is that I'm excited to get the Life You Love Laboratory scaled to the point where we're working with or impacting the lives of 100,000 people a year. That's a really big number. And I don't know exactly all the steps I'm going to take, <laughs> or that we, I should say I, that we're going to take to be able to get there. But I'm definitely... I know exactly what I have to do this week. And it's about doing things like sharing the Moonshot Guidebook. That's one of the, the focuses I've got written is just to keep getting that work out there because I know it's impactful. What about you, Bree? Well, I interact with this book a little bit differently than Jeremy does, which I think is valuable to share with anybody who might be thinking about going to Amazon and grabbing a copy of this book because I am a 
I don't know. I feel a bit more chaotic than Jeremy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He's wonderfully organized and methodical. And I learned through this process that I am I am a person who prioritizes things like freedom and like improvisation. And it took me a little while to be okay with that. It was actually this Moonshot Guidebook that made it okay by me. I always thought I needed to try and conform myself into this methodical oriented professional person. I had this idea of what a business person looked like and I needed to, you know, square myself up and fit in there. And then we got this tool and we started to work with it. And I've got all four of mine sitting literally right next to me right now in this moment, because they all sort of mash together to help me out. I don't actually know what my five-year plan is right now because it alters based on the day. It moves around and I'm okay with that. What I do know is that my moonshot is solid and I love it. And everything I do across the course of my life points toward my moonshot, which is to be able to say that I chased adventure, I loved unconditionally, and that I used my voice to create a world where everyone can win and no one has to lose. And if I'm doing stuff that supports that, if I'm doing something where I can be like, I am chasing adventure right now, I am loving unconditionally right now, or I'm creating a world where everyone can win right now, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's how I use the book. I do use it to help me figure out what I need to be doing in a given week or in a span of time, but only if that end result, only if that end goal tells me that I'm achieving my moonshot. And that to me has been like a little beacon of hope, of direction for me to find a way to be who I am in a world where I'm still creating something that I think I'm going to really love. (laughs) My moonshot is to laugh at home every day to do work that inspires others and to follow my curiosity and share what I've learned. And I think too, that the idea of knowing what your moonshot is and sort of being able to check down and see am I living life that's still going to get me toward that moonshot, thinking about whether again, personally or organizationally, just to harp on this point a bit, the idea of knowing where you want to end up is so important, especially in times like these. So, you know, everything that happened over the past year, I still knew where I was going to go, even when things were looking bleak. And so it, it helped me to adjust. So I'm, okay, big detour. Don't know what the immediate future looks like. I know where I want to end up. So where can I focus my efforts right now today to keep on investing in that future I want to build for myself, despite the fact that things are totally upside down right now? Both great answers. I appreciate that. So probably the toughest question of the whole podcast interview, if you had to narrow down to see what is your favorite item on the Bigby Coffee menu... What would you guys say it, Bree, Jeremy, what do you guys think is, I know it could be a little different, but if you had to recommend one item that you think is the best, what's your guys' favorite? I mean, you can't narrow it down to time of day or what sort of a mood I'm in or whatever, like just open-ended. Oh my goodness. What time of year is it? What season is it? What's the weather like? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for me, that my absolute go-to year-round thing is it's not a very exciting drink, but it's an awesome drink, which is a red eye. And so you start with an amazing cup of beautiful brewed coffee and you enhance it with shots of espresso. So for me, it'd be a three-shot, 20-ounce red eye with uh, some cold oat milk poured in so that I can start drinking it right away. If I'm not about like though doing the standard standby all-year-round thing, I'd say anything that has our sweet foam in it is rather remarkable. So like caramel cold brew, because our cold brew is also really good with the sweet foam on top. Or also right now, we've got the mint chip freeze out in the world, which is just there's no coffee in it, but like, it's so tasty. It's like, you know, mint chip ice cream that you can carry with you and drink across the course of your morning or afternoon. It's, it's lovely. 
So I have two. I didn't know Jeremy was going to do more than one, but he stole <laughs> one of mine. So right now I am, I am just absolutely hooked on cold brew coffee with sweet foam on top of it. I'm not a person who is into heavily flavored things, but I respect all of the flavors for sure. But right now we've got our Irish cream back in the store and I like to do vanilla Irish cream in cold brew with sweet foam on top of it. But that sweet foam is magic. A cold brew with just sweet foam on it, absolutely magic. When I want the drink that I refer to as grown-up chocolate milk, I get a four-shot, 24-ounce iced German mocha. And it is just amazing. The German mocha contains mocha caramel, hazelnut, and coconut. And I don't know why they make such magic together. They do. And then there's like whipped cream on it. So it's, it's even more perfect. But I only am allowed to have that one like once a month. <laughs> Other than that, I've got to stick to pretty much just black coffee. That's great. What's in store for the future of coffee? I mean, do you guys see a drink kind of evolving out there that's been gaining a lot of market share or something that's been more popular that people may not think is popular, but that you guys noticed has been popular? I think for me, the, the future of coffee that to me is most important, and I think it's really important to Big B, isn't about an individual drink, though we'll continue to churn out new and fun and interesting drinks. It's more about the model, the economic model behind consuming coffee in, in a way. So we've set a goal to be 50% farm direct by 2023. And so what that means is traditionally in the coffee industry, different roasters or coffee companies would buy beans from importers, usually located on the coasts. And instead, what we're doing and what we're, we're continuing to do and, and build toward is buying direct from farmers around the world. So we've got two relationships we've established. One is El Recreo in Nicaragua, and the other is Living Hope in Zambia. And the benefit of going farm direct is because you're cutting out the middle people, the middlemen involved with importing the coffee and going straight to the farmer, all of that extra margin, you can then dedicate toward the farmer themselves to help them improve their economic conditions and their community's economic conditions. And so Bob and Michelle Fish, Bob's one of the co-founders, co-CEOs, and his wife, Michelle, they're on a mission to do that. So COVID has interrupted them being boots on the ground out getting a chance to meet other farmers. But I believe that we're ramping up again pretty quickly here. But you know, the advantage also of Farm Direct too is you get to know who the actual people are behind the coffee. And so we want to be able to understand where the coffee is coming from and what it is that those farmers are doing for their communities to build up the people around them, uh, not just their farmers, but the communities themselves. And both El Recreo and Living Hope are beautiful examples. And so if any of your listeners want to learn more about what we're doing, I'd encourage them to check out Bob and Michelle's blog. It's One Big Island in Space. Big is with two Gs, because that's how Big B does it. OneBigIslandInSpace.com. And you get a chance to see what we believe the future of coffee looks like. That's fantastic. And so where can people go to find out more about yourself, Bree, Jeremy, and then Big B Coffee as well? If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd encourage you to include a personal message that you heard me on the podcast. So I'm not like, I don't know you, ignore. That would help, I would say. And as far as connecting with Big B, you can go to BigB.com. I'd encourage you actually to browse directly to BigB.com slash lifelab to learn more about what the Life You Love Laboratory is up to. It'll be a chance to be able to look at the Life You Love assessment and also our workshops. And one thing I just realized we didn't mention explicitly, I talked about the workshops being available for free for people who work within the Big B world, but they are open to the public too. And so then all the details are, are there for the workshops on the website. 
That's awesome. And I was just going to add to you can look me up on LinkedIn. I wouldn't look me up on Facebook <laughs> because I don't really pay much attention to that anymore, but LinkedIn for sure. And then Jeremy already gave the website. That's a great way to connect with any of us from within the Life You Love Laboratory. And we love hearing from people. And I hope that people who are listening to this will go and take the Life You Love assessment as well. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Mint Money. If you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast. Additionally, please follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Bree. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. <laughs>